Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Back here on Oilers Now. Brendan Ulrich, uh, Devin Horn with you. Bob Stoffer vacationing this week. I should mention that if Bob were here, he would tell you that the Stoffer recommendation over at Royal Pizza is the Meat Lovers. I'll go with uh, the pepperoni green pepper. Devin, what's your favorite uh, pizza from Royal Pizza? Oh, pepperoni green pepper is pretty classic, but I think I prefer sausage instead of pepperoni. That's fair. All right, there you have it. Three great recommendations from uh, Royal Pizza. Some guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates, too. Royal Pizza. All right. If Bob were here as well, he'd likely be talking about Alabama football with our next guest. It is uh, Josh Cooper from The Athletic. He writes for the Kings and the Ducks there. But way back when, Josh, you were telling me, you used to cover the, the Crimson Tide. I did cover Nick Saban's first year and second year at Alabama. And the funny thing, it was my first full-time job out of college. And the funny thing about that is, when I got into hockey, I had no idea that Bob was a big Alabama fan until somebody told me, and then it just basically made sense in a lot of different interesting ways. But because of this, whenever I see Bob, I feel like I'm one of the few people around the league he can actually talk talk about uh, or talk about talk to about Alabama football. So always a good time chatting about uh, Nick Saban and the Tide with Bob. Uh, I'm sure he's uh, still really happy about that national championship. And I was thrilled to hear that he actually saw them win it all a few years ago. So uh, he must be their good luck charm. <laughs> oh, he brings it up from time and time again here on Oilers now. He'll never live that one down. But uh, <laughs> how, how, how does the team look this season? Do you still follow them? You know, not so much. Uh, my first cousin went there. So he kind of tries to make sure that I'm aware of what's going on. I mean, the one thing I, I always really admired about them, and this can just be universal for any sport, is the fact that, to me, Nick Saban is probably, you know, with all due respect to a lot of the coaches I have covered, the greatest coach I will ever cover in my life. And I tried to just take a lot away from him, only in the sense of just how detailed he was. And so whenever I try to cover a coach or someone in a position of power, he's always the basis of my comparison. Uh, so... Basically, any coach I, who's listening to this, I'm trying to size you up next to Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> so that's sort of how I take it. Yeah, good luck with that for any coach that's out there. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. yeah. No doubt. All right, well, let's talk about your new role, I guess. this is When did just this uh, get announced that you'd be covering the Kings and the Ducks for the Athletic? So it was announced in June uh, that I would be working for the Athletic Los Angeles, helping out with the Kings and Ducks. And so far, I feel like we've had a lot of really excellent content between myself, Lisa Dillman, and Eric Stevens, all people who've covered hockey in Southern California for a number of years, both of them much longer than me. So, uh, so yeah, uh, lots of interesting moves also between the two teams, the Kings with one big move and the Ducks not doing that much. So, uh, but saying a lot about their displeasure with their current status. So, uh, we'll see how things all break down next year with them. 
Well, yeah, the Ducks making a move today, re-signing uh, Adam Henrique. Uh, what is it, five years, $5.5 million cap hit at first glance? I, I think it looks like a bit of an overpayment. Uh, but then when you start maybe doing some comparables, it doesn't. Of course, he was pretty good for the last season. Uh, but what do you think of uh, the contract, Josh? I think that the overall money itself is, is fair. Uh, I think the big issue for the Ducks is how much money that they're now going to have basically put into a lot of different aging players down the road. I mean, you have Ryan Kessler, uh, who obviously there are some rumors he may not even play next year, who's making close to $7 million. Corey Perry, whose production has plummeted, making close to $9 million. And Ryan Getzloff is still pretty excellent, uh, making $8.25 million. So uh, I think you have a lot of money signed, I guess, assigned to a lot of different players who are in the second half of their 20s to early 30s. Uh, so that's a concern. But overall, I mean, he was a great, great fit there. Adam Henrique was. Uh, he seemed to love playing for the Ducks, and the Ducks seemed to love to have him. So, I mean, 20 goals in 57 games. Yes, his shooting percentage was exceptionally high with Anaheim. Uh, but overall, just uh, a really good fit. And look, I mean, you have to pay a premium for a center. There's no doubt about that. And Adam Hen- in Adam Henrique's situation, uh, he's a center. And the Ducks, if they wanted to have a very solid group down the middle between him uh, Ryan gets left number one, and who knows where Ryan Kessler is going to fit in. If he's still hurt, uh, you had to pay a lot. So they did, and they have him locked up for the next five years after this season because he was going to be up for a new contract next summer. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the Ducks not doing a whole lot this offseason, uh, Josh, because they were dispatched quite easily in the playoffs, and there there were some injuries there as well uh, to start the, the, the playoffs. But uh, some of the signings they did make this offseason, some under-the-radar, perhaps, signings with Suster, Rowney, Gibbons, uh, Shen, Street. Is there anyone I'm missing? Like, they didn't really do anything big, but they did sign some quality pieces there. Well, yeah, and you know Now that you mentioned that, it's probably unfair to say they didn't do that much, but they didn't, considering the fact that Bob Murray, before, at the start of the summer, uh, basically said to Eric Stevens, uh, I guess at the draft, to the effect... Uh, we want to make huge changes. I'm not happy with this, not happy with that. Um, you know, they didn't make a lot of huge changes. Yes, they tried to round out some bottom sort of six and uh, lower pairing defensemen uh, or try to try to figure that out to some degree. But overall, they didn't make that one sort of big move that I don't think they could have, but it just seemed like they just, Bob Murray himself just was not very happy overall with the situation with the team. So um, this is sort of, where they are at the moment, kind of having to make some of those smaller moves. And look, I mean, some of the value moves were pretty decent. I mean, I I don't dislike the Luke Shen move. I think that he, as a 5-6, is, is pretty good. Andre Schuster is uh, a very solid defenseman. And look, they've got some pretty good young players. Andre Cache is, is really good. Nick Ritchie has some potential. Uh, they're getting Patrick Eves back next year, hopefully. Um, so there are some spots where they can improve. But uh, overall... I look at this team, and it's hard for me to say it's a team that's going to replicate the success it's had over the last few years. It seems like a team that's mostly on the decline. Yeah, see, that's where I'm at with the Ducks as well. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, Raquel has emerged as a, a great player. Um, 
but a lot of their other stars could take a step back this season already have started taking uh, steps back like Corey Perry and you talked about Kessler maybe not playing there so I don't know where they finish in uh, the Pacific Division we are going to uh, ask you that question though right now Josh we'll save the King stuff for a second but where do you have the Ducks finishing in the Pacific next season oh man that's tough to really say at the moment uh I'd have to say I mean, you got to put L.A. over them at this point, Vegas for sure, San Jose. Uh, I'd put – is it fair to say Edmonton over them? I mean, you guys are closer there. I mean, it's well, still I... mostly the same team that uh, the one that, that you know almost beat them in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Well, Bob uh, has them finishing I'll... second, the Oilers. I have them competing for a wild card spot. So uh, it's tough to, to break down the Pacific yeah. right now. It really is. Yeah, um, I mean, Calgary, until they actually take a step up, I, I can't put them that high. Um, so, you know, the Coyotes, they played very well down the stretch last year. I could see them finishing ahead of Anaheim. I mean, really, at the end of the day, the only teams that I don't think will finish ahead of Anaheim for sure are the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. I could, and only Calgary in the sense of, even though they always seem to make great moves every year or every summer and they just can't seem to ever put it together um so i but, but beyond that I, I don't know where i have the ducks finishing i mean granted you know they still have ryan Getzloff, who for my money is one of the best centers in the entire nhl and definitely one of the best centers over the last i guess since the 0405 lockout uh but they're just a hard team to peg down they really are i mean i could see them finishing anywhere from second to last um, or maybe, you know, second to last or third to last. It's just hard to peg them down. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I still like their top four D a lot, so I don't know. I think they'll be maybe competing point. for a wild card spot. That's where I have them. We'll see what happens. Let's move yeah, on to the Kings, though. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the Kings. Yeah. The big move signing the Kovalchuk. Kings. They re-signed uh, Doughty to a long-term extension. Uh, maybe just talk about those two moves, first of all. So the Kovalchuk signing, I like just because, look, when this guy was in the league, uh, he was one of the most feared goal scorers. I mean, he was basically just a tiny notch below Alex Ovechkin as far as just how good he was. Uh, you could even make the argument he was a better all-around player, maybe the best all-around talent in the NHL at forward, because, look, he was a, a winger who was playing 25 minutes a night. You just don't see that anymore, and he was doing it exceptionally well. I mean, he was the type of player who, honestly, I bet you you could put him on defense and he could play really well there. I mean, he just had that type of overall skill and that, that smoothness and that ability. Uh, by all accounts, he's a bit slower now. Uh, he's obviously a bit older. He's age 35. Uh, but I think the Kings are counting on him to score between 20 and 30 goals. And uh, at around, I think it's $6.25 million is what the contract was. Uh, that's a pretty decent deal. I think the big issue for, for him and the Kings is that he signed for three years, so at 38, you're going to be paying a lot of money for him. And on top of that, they don't have a lot of space at the moment going into next summer with a couple of guys they have to resign, and he's a big reason why. So uh, there is that issue. As far as Dowdy, uh, I did a piece on him for The Athletic in regards to why he, uh, he got an $88 million contract for eight years. And really, at the end of the day, when you have a superstar player like Drew Dowdy, you have to pay him. And that was just his going rate. And they really had no choice. And, I mean, look, you can sort of spin it any way you want. As Oh, you know, he's been great for this long. He's going to be great for X amount of years in his contract. He's this. I mean, you, at the end of the day, you just had to pay him 
that money. You had to pay him that money because you still had a few elite years left in him, and you had to pay him that money because of what he did for your franchise with helping them win two Stanley Cups. So overall, uh, it's money that pro- I wouldn't say it's worth every penny, but certainly it was money they had to pay him because you can't let a talent like that go. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think the money's fair, and I love the Kolpachuk sign as well. I heard Ray Ferraro say, watch him at the Olympics. He still moved around the ice pretty good, so I don't think his skating will be an issue, and uh, he can certainly still uh, shoot the puck, so it looks like he'll be a good fit next to Kopitar. Yeah, and the funny thing you mentioned about that is uh, you mentioned he can still shoot the puck. It was funny, the Kings, or Luke Robitaille, said to uh, our, own, our Lisa Dillman with The Athletic, when she interviewed him about the Kovalchuk signing, he said, oh, we just want him to do what Alex Ovechkin does on the power play. So it was sort of like this, you know, kind of like, we want him to do what Alex Ovechkin does and then on the power play. So it was just kind of funny in the sense of like, we're not expecting to score 50 goals, but just stand in that area and just shoot the puck from kind of uh, the circles and try to beat goaltenders that way. And it, it's a very, it's an important skill to have. Not a lot of players can just sit in that area and just blast pucks past the goaltender when they always know the puck is coming from that spot. But he's one of those guys that has that special skill between him, Ovechkin, and uh, Steven Stamkos. And other than those two moves, uh, Josh, the Kings didn't do a whole lot. I mean, a whole lot of nothing, I guess, after that. They let Gravel go. He signed, of course, with the Oilers. Um, just looking at their roster, trying to see if they made any other moves. Did they make any other big signings well, that I'm missing? Well, you have to sort of take a look at the totality of, of what they've done over the last year. So, yes, you can say they didn't make any other signings, but they also signed Daniel Brickley as a college free agent who was a very highly touted college free agent. And yes, I understand that. In Edmonton, you all know that very well and how those can sometimes not work out with a guy like Justin Schultz, for example. But that was a guy that they, they signed for a very low number uh, in hopes that he can provide them some depth minutes this year. Uh, they also signed Sheldon Rempel as another college free agent. Um, you know, there, there's they made some moves that Cal Peterson's another guy that uh, he was in the uh, is in the Sabres system and they couldn't come to a new deal with him, so they signed him last summer. Uh, they're very hopeful that Gabe Velarde, their top pick from last from the 2017 draft, can make the step up. So. Not a lot of big NHL moves, per se, but certainly some moves of the younger, cheaper variety that they're hoping can actually make a difference. Uh, I, I mean, from what I saw at development camp out of Gabe Velarde, uh, Brickley was not there, but from Gabe Velarde, I, I think he can certainly make a difference next year. I think the hope is that he makes the team. Uh, but I think the Kings, I think one of the big things is that they started this sort of, I don't want to say rebuild, I want to say more, it's kind of like, a refresh of like what the San Jose Sharks did a few years ago uh, last summer. And I think that that's why they're more so a team on the rise right now than, say, the Ducks, which haven't really done it. And they're still kind of giving big contracts to the aging players uh, more so to a degree than the Kings are. So overall, I think the Kings are more so a team on the rise based on the fact they do have some young players or chief who can step up and make, uh, and I guess play decent sized roles next year. Yeah, I really like uh, the fact that Kovalchuk will let them uh, keep that 70s line together most likely, and then maybe uh, you talk about Velarde, perhaps he slides in on the third line with maybe Kempe or something like that. Would that make sense if he makes the team? 
Uh, I, I had him starting out in the fourth line and working his way up. Um, just depends on, on how good he is coming out of uh, coming out of training camp and rookie camp. Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they want him in a more offensive type role, playing some offensive minutes, maybe getting some power play time. Because look, if he's not playing offensive minutes, then he's not going to develop at a level offensively that they want him to and need him to. I think the big question right now is really, is he starting out as a center? Is he starting out as a wing? I mean, I've had scouts tell me, some scouts tell me that he's more of a wing than a center. The Kings see him more as a center. So uh, we'll see what uh, what he brings. But overall, I mean, from what I saw at development camp, big body, a guy who can protect the puck really well, excellent hands, and a really good shot. So uh, certainly from what I saw and what I've talked to in regards to scouts and other people around the league, definitely an NHL-level player who should make an impact next year. So the million-dollar question, Josh, is uh, where do you have the Kings uh, in the Pacific? I have them in my top three, so I don't know where you have them. I think you already sort of spoiled it a little earlier, but uh, you can tell us exactly where you have them now. Yeah, I'd say the Kings in the top three for sure. Uh, you know, I'd probably list maybe Vegas as number one still, um, and then them, them or San Jose being number two. That, that's my opinion, and that's sort of my top three is Vegas, uh, L.A., and San Jose, and what a world we're living in when uh, we have a team from Vegas, Los Angeles, and San Jose as the top three teams of the Pacific Division. It's just <laughs> so bizarre to me, but that's today's NHL. Well, I, I, I went with San Jose at the, the top of the division as well. It seems like some people write them off every year think, okay, they, they'll take a step back, but I, I don't see any reason why they would. Like They're basically locked into a playoff position every year, I would assume, and uh, they have Kane now for the whole season. Uh, Couture just keeps getting better. And then you have uh, guys like Meyer that are starting to emerge as well. So I really, I really like San Jose. Interesting, though, that you have uh, Vegas still in the top three because I think some people either think they'll take a big step back or some people think they'll be just as good as they were last year. It's hard to say right now, though. Well, to be honest, I mean, you, you sort of have to at this stage. I mean, they made the Stanley Cup final. They played at such a high level all year last year. And, I mean, is the likelihood that they'll take a step back? Absolutely. That's a really hard number to try to replicate. But, I mean, I, I think you have to put them up there because they're they're just are very balanced up and down their lineup. They had a ton of cap space. They made some moves to get better. And, yeah, I mean, they lost James Neal, but I don't think that's a huge deal. Uh, I forgot that he went to Calgary. Again, another signing that I, I don't really see that made a whole heck of a lot of sense, but the Flames got him. He can score goals. But, uh but overall, uh, I, I think that that's a team that really, just based on their cap space and everything else, I mean, they should be in pretty good shape going into next year. I mean, again, I mean, it's signed Paul Stastny. Uh, you get a full year of Thomas Tatar, who I think should have a better season overall. Um, yeah, they're going to have to pay a lot of money for William Carlson, but, uh, you know, I mean, they got their gold tank situation figured out. I, I, I like that team a lot. I mean, I think they're really, really good. Well, Josh, now that you're uh, covering two teams in the Oilers division, we'll have to do this uh, a lot more during the season because the Oilers play the Kings and the Ducks a lot and maybe in the playoffs as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Josh. We'll do it again soon. All right, that's Josh Cooper from The Athletic in L.A. and uh, Anaheim covering both of those two teams. And uh, we'll likely hear a lot more from him throughout the season here on Oilers Now. 152 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, get to this day in Oilers history. We'll try to squeeze in a few more text messages and wrap up the show after a short timeout.
100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, Pro-Am Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 155 in Edmonton, back here on Oilers Now. BU and Devin Horn with you. Bob Stoffer away this week. This day in Oilers history is brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. If you're looking at going on a river cruise in Europe for 2018, New West Travel has some great rates on these fabulous cruises. July 16th, 2008, the Oilers sign Sean Horkoff to a six-year, $33 million contract. That's this day in Oilers history. A reminder, on Friday, we will be giving away a power pack, power pack number eight, featuring the Canucks, the Preds, the Flames, and the Ducks. You can uh, go to EdmontonOilers.com and sign up for a power pack. They go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Ten great packs to choose from from EdmontonOilers.com. But on Friday, we will be giving away our third power pack. We gave away two power packs last week on the show. Tonight on Inside Sports, if you haven't heard, of course, uh, a tragic uh, passing over the weekend, Ray Emery at the age of 35, a drowning incident. It wasn't uh, considered suspicious, according to police. So just a tragic uh, accident incident there involving uh, the former goaltender, Ray Emery, passing away at the age of 35. But Wade Redden, a former teammate of his, will join Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports. And confirmed, we have the coaches show tonight. That is 7.30 right here on 6.30. Ched, tomorrow on Oilers Now, Reed will uh, be in studio with me at some point on the show. We'll also hear from Jonathan Willis, Edmonton Oilers writer for The Athletic. So that's ahead tomorrow. Up next, the afternoon news with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Thanks for helping out today, Devin. You're very welcome. Anytime. See you here on Wednesday. Can't wait. We'll talk to you again then, Devin. So long from Oilers Now, back tomorrow in studio. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.